Those are different personality styles showing up in leadership roles. And all of them are equal. All of them are fantastic. It's how are they showing up in their, what I call superpowers and leveraging the hell out of those so that they are the most effective leader in the environment. You're listening to Confessions of a CEO. I'm your host, Kelsey Borges. From rebranding my family's seasonal fireworks stand to empowering a community of thousands of fierce female founders, I've had my fair share of entrepreneurial roller coasters. With a sprinkle of sass and a ton of heart, join me and other badass female founders as we dive into both the glamorous and the gritty sides of our journeys. We're here to keep it 100% real, say it like it is, and chat about the shit that stinks in business. If you're an ambitious, creative, and purpose-driven woman looking for a community that just gets it, you've found your crew. So whether you're here for a laugh, a lesson, or that aha moment, grab your favorite drink and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to The Shiro Show. Today, I have my friend and client, Lisa. She is a leadership coach. Lisa is passionate about being a leadership coach because she has a decade of experience specializing in the integration of leadership and wellness into business. She is hell-bent, which I love, on empowering female entrepreneurs to become strong, resilient, and badass through real-life wellness and leadership. Lisa holds a bachelor's degree in education, a master's in exercise science, and numerous coaching certifications. Lisa, welcome to the Shiro Show. Thank you. I'm really, really excited to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to have you and hear all about this because Lord knows all of my listeners definitely need some support in this area. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could tell just from some of the background, educational background, at least it's like, oh, that sounds like an interesting path. So yeah, I started out in education, was actually an elementary teacher for a handful of years. And in doing that, I realized I was kind of losing myself to my work. It's really hard to give so much of yourself to a classroom of students and then not have anything left when you come home to give to your family. So in order to find myself, I discovered fitness, nutrition, fell in love with it. And that prompted me because in the education world, it's all about continuing education, going back to school. So I thought, well, let's just like throw everything out and go back and get your master's degree in exercise science and health promotion. So I did that. I left the classroom. And because I had that teaching experience, I brought that with me into doing community wellness, community outreach, business development, et cetera. So that's kind of the career path that I took and then joined a healthcare organization here in Idaho and kind of got wrangled into this world of learning and development with an emphasis on leadership. And in doing so, while also building this corporate resume, I also had a business, a nutrition and wellness business that was really focused on first responders, firefighters, and helping them become more resilient, eating healthier. And really what I discovered in all of that after 10 years of building that business is as much as I love first responders, because I'm married to one, (laughs) I really wanted to talk to, you know, because it's a very male dominated world. I really wanted to talk to the women behind them, the women behind them that are just trying to keep their shit together, that are trying to run their families, build their careers, 
many of whom are also small business owners or entrepreneurs themselves, and just juggling all of those things. And what I found, kind of this combination of just my wellness business, but then also my corporate role was I was having a lot of conversations with men. And as great as that was, what I realized, especially coming out of the pandemic was, wow, there was a lot that was put on women, particularly women business owners and wives and mothers throughout that entire process. And this common thread came up around like, I'm trying to sustain myself. I'm trying to grow this business. I'm trying to care for myself and become a better person and also grow a successful business. Mm -hmm. But everything that people are telling me to do isn't really working. I feel like I either have to go all in on my business at the compromise of myself, or if I'm prioritizing myself, then my business isn't really growing. So how do I do both? And I'll just say it's really... I just think about the audacity of like a 20 something dude that's like giving advice for, you know, 30 and 40 something women that are also mothers and partners and things like that. Like you don't get it. So I really wanted to shift my focus and I felt very compelled to say, it's time that we provide real life solutions for women that are in positions that I've been in before that I'm also in right now. And one of those foundational things, actually two foundational things that I discovered were missing from a lot of the conversations is one, what are those foundational leadership practices that we're just never taught that we need to have in order to run effective businesses? People are talking about marketing and content strategy and building a vision for your business, but we don't necessarily talk so much about us and how are we developing and growing and evolving to be effective business owners. So that was a piece that I thought was missing. And then the other piece was also that resiliency component of, yeah, like hustle culture is a thing. You can grind it out. And there is a phase in your business where maybe you do have to do more of that. But it breaks my heart when I've seen friends or women in my community that are growing these amazing businesses and serving people in really remarkable ways but you have a front row seat to kind of the struggle, the health struggle, the relationship struggle, the personal struggle that they're going through. And you see it on their face. You see it, you know, when you meet them out in person and you see just, I don't know, it's not so much dread, but it's like, I feel like I'm drowning. I'm just barely (laughs) staying afloat. Been there. (laughs) Yeah. I think I, I haven't met a single woman that is an entrepreneur that hasn't had some experience of that. So mm-hmm. just recently, I mean, I've been mulling this over for the last year or so, but just recently I went all in and said, okay, time to like, as Gary Vee says it, we're burning the boats. <laughs> we're burning the ships. It's time to quit my corporate job because I've always had two things. And when you chase two rabbits, you end up with none. So. Yeah. I just was like, let's go, let's can go. <laughs> that is one of the things that I love about what you do because I've been there and I understand it fully. And I think that that is a huge gap in the coaching industry or like just the business industry in general. Nobody is taught like 
how to take care of yourself in order for you to show up for your business and everything that you need to do. And something that I've recognized and learned as I've grown and I've been on this path is like every single new like level that you get to, there's some new devil, like for lack of better terminology. And you have to figure out how to conquer that. And a lot of the times it's the personal shit that you have going on in yourself. It's not a business struggle. It's like a mindset thing that you need to fix in order to get on to the next level. (laughs) Yes. That's so perfectly said because really the problems in your business are more often, they're a reflection of the limitations that you have. Mm -hmm. So if you're not seeing a certain level of success in your business, Yeah, it might be worth having a conversation of, am I talking to the right client? Do I have the right strategy? Do I have the right client management system? Are there things, are there tools that I'm missing from my tool belt to make this work more effective? But as I say with everything, like your ability to use those tools is only limited by your own knowledge of how to use them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can, like I think about a carpenter, they could literally have every single tool ever made for carpentry. But how effective are they in their ability to use those tools? And what's been really interesting, especially post-pandemic, is before this, there was always this compartmentalization of this is my work self, and then this is me not at work. Yeah, And we've never been isolated, siloed individuals. That's not how we exist as humans. And so the pandemic came, like forced us to come face-to-face with the fact that we are integrated people all of the time. We bring our work self home and our home self comes to work. And we've never been separated, but it's been culturally and especially like business culture, it's been acceptable. Like, oh, let's not talk about the stuff like Mm -hmm. your dogs or your kids or anything that's going on. But when you have people working remotely from home for as long as we did, like, oh, there's the doorbell. Oh, my cat's on my lap. Like, (laughs) oh, you are a whole person. Let's start acknowledging this. So I feel like, especially right now, like, let's not lose that. Let's not lose the fact that we discovered that we were whole people that are integrated in all of these aspects, and then bring that in that integrated conversation into how we work, how we relate, how we communicate, how we do all of this stuff together. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful takeaway from the years of shutdown and (laughs) being in isolation because it didn't feel good when we were going through it, but the growth and maybe the challenges that we faced then are kind of opening up our eyes to these glaring issues and things that we can fix moving forward, which is really, really cool. And I feel like that's when you started transitioning and having these ideas about a new way and a new method and how you wanted to pivot what you were doing and shift into leadership coaching. So what made you, after being in like the nutrition and health and wellness industry for so long, what made you decide to shift into leadership coaching? It sounds like a really stark right turn, but really when you look at nutrition and wellness practices, anybody that knows their stuff will acknowledge that it has less to do with like the components of what you put in a meal. Like, am I eating enough protein or carbs or fats? Like, again, there's elements there, but underneath all of that is this current of behavior change. 
And behavior change obviously is rooted in our brains and what people, the longer they interface with like, I'm trying to be healthier, the more they realize that this is, there's so much more here. It's a, it's a lot deeper. It's emotional, it's psychological, it's environmental. And so, you know, when I was a nutrition coach, it took a lot of work to go down to those deeper layers of seeing like, let's talk about your self-concept. Let's talk about your belief in your human potential. Let's talk about how you solve problems and how you address conflict in your relationship. If you're trying to be healthier and you feel like your partner is maybe like coming around you like, oh, I brought home two tubs of ice cream. Like, you know, I mean, I'm trying to be healthier and you're sabotaging me. Like what's That's going me. on here? <laughs> so those conversations, like it took a lot of work to go down to those layers. And really with leadership coaching, it's like, we're eliminating that stuff that we don't have to necessarily talk about the food that's on your plate. We can go deep anyways, because they know that that's where the conversation is starting. Mm -hmm. And so it opens up this whole world that I honestly, unintentionally in doing nutrition and wellness coaching, I've been studying behavior change science for the last decade, because I think it's so interesting and understanding leadership principles and human potential just from my own interest. And then through my corporate job, it was opened up to me like, oh, this is an entire industry. This is an entire field of study. This is really what I want to be doing. Like, yeah, I got so tired of just having the conversations around, well, should I eat tilapia for dinner or should I eat chicken? You know, and <laughs> I was very much the coach, the nutrition and wellness coach. It's like, I am not here to boss you into anything. My job is to empower you, to teach you how to fish so you can feed yourself for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go underneath, like, not just talk about the symptoms. Let's get to the root cause and some of the stuff that's underneath there. And with leadership coaching, we just get to bypass some of those superficial conversations and just go like straight in, like, here's your open wound. Let's <laughs> yeah. start cleaning it up. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's a much more direct approach to what you were trying, the problems that you were trying to solve in the first place, basically. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And in specializing specifically in female entrepreneurs, I feel like I'm talking to myself and I'm also talking to the former version of myself, mm -hmm. you know, where in the work that I did as a, you know, a nutrition consultant, for first responders, like I was very much talking to my husband and all of his friends, which, yeah, you know, brings a certain level. And if anybody knows first responders, they're like super crass. It's a lot of locker room humor and I can hang with the best of them. That's totally fine. <laughs> but also at the end of the day, I'm like, Hey, like have your wife reach out to me. Cause I want to yeah. talk to her now. I just like, I get to talk to him directly. <laughs> That's perfect. How did you know that it was the right path for you to take? Because while it makes sense to you, obviously, and all the pieces tied together, but it's a huge leap of faith to enter into this new space. Yeah, I tend to be very scientific and logical and right-brained, but I'm also really leaning into that like intuitive side of me. I'm really trying to, and I know you and I have talked about this before, this like blend between like masculine and feminine energy. And most of my life, I live in this masculine space. So leaning into my feminine energy, what I've noticed or what I noticed over the past year is, you know, I had this contract with a very big client trying impacting over 350,000 first responders all over the world. 
And as I was interfacing with that work, you know, trying to move things forward, trying to move the needle forward, just things would pop up, like barriers would come in, like, oh, why can't I continue to make progress? Things are just like getting in the way of that. And then as a result, I noticed my energy and response to that was vastly different. And they're almost started to be a bit of resentment and frustration, like, okay, I have to do that. So I was showing up differently for that work. And just in putting those pieces together, it just like a light bulb came on, like, I think maybe this has run its course. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for like finding the things that light you up and finding your passion, but also like acquiring skills and then understanding when, like when that time has run out. And just like when I was a elementary teacher, my time ran out. I acquired what I needed from that life experience Mm -hmm. and it was time to move on with all of these other things. So it very much became clear it was time to move on. And what did it for me this past August, I was in Alaska at a conference, speaking at a conference. And some of the things that I've loved about this is like my husband has been able to talk about leadership because he's in a leadership role in the Mm -hmm. first responder world. And I've been able to talk about nutrition. And then together we kind of talk about the dynamic of managing a family and relationship. So he and I were both at this conference. He was talking leadership stuff. I was talking nutrition and he knows me well, because he's been with me since I was 19, watched me grow up <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to that together. And we were at this conference and there was a lot of banter. We knew a lot of the people because, you know, first responder community is really small in spite of how big it is. And there was some social interaction that was happening And just the way that I was interfacing with those individuals, my husband kind of called me out afterwards. He's like, you had a little bit of resentment there. You know, you're pretty snarky with those people when they're asking you questions. Like, yeah, I think, I think maybe it's time to be done because I'm not like, I'm not embodying what I know to be a good coach. I'm kind of being a bitch (laughs) because I'm done. I'm done. I'm like, yeah, it's probably good to cut out now before you do any good. (laughs) So as you've made this shift, what have been some mindset challenges that you've had to face as you're pivoting into this new industry? Oh, well, I think it's some of the very real challenges that all of us go through. When I think about myself as a a wellness coach, because I'd had the reps in that Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome was not really something that I had dealt with in a long time. And it was really easy for me to like pick up something and start talking about it because I'd had thousands of conversations. Right. And now in leadership, even though this was my corporate job and I was very familiar with that to do it for myself, still felt like, Oh, but wait a second is like, am I qualified to talk about this? And when I was doing corporate in my corporate role, it was in a healthcare setting. And in in healthcare, there's so much emphasis put on the letters after your name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I had unintentionally and maybe unconsciously developed this thing because I have a master's degree in exercise science and health promotion. So I can talk wellness with, like I could talk with a, a physician, no problem about nutrition and hormones and like physiological responses, et cetera. And because I didn't have that formal degree, yes, I've got certifications, but I didn't have that formal degree of, I've got a master's in organizational leadership. It caused me to question, am I qualified to be here? And so I constantly am battling that. Like, no, I have a lot of 
real life experience Mm -hmm. on the front lines of how this is applied, how we think, how we avoid challenges, how we shy away from those, how we talk to ourselves through that process. And that's really what I think is more helpful than anything, because I'm sure you've encountered this. I know you're finishing up your master's degree, and I've definitely encountered this in lots of different settings. There's the people that are really book smart, like they know all of the things. And then there's the people that are able to actually apply that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Even in, I think about like strength and conditioning coaches, there's like the book smart strength and conditioning coaches. And then the moment they like actually go to do like a CrossFit workout or a barbell complex, you're like, dude, <laughs> are you sure you know what you're doing? Have you ever done this before? <laughs> Have you ever done this before? Like you wrote an amazing exercise program, but the actual application of this, like you're going to bury people yeah. with your programming. You know, there's so much crossover and that's really where I'm trying to lean into that mindset shift of like, no, I've got the real life reps. Yes. I've got enough credentials, enough learning behind me. And I mean, I'm just in constant pursuit of more knowledge. So I know that that's just a a quality of myself, but I've got enough to put me in a place that I can help others. I'm capable of helping others, even though I don't have a PhD or I don't have a master's degree in this specific topic. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I'm going through. And then also reminding, this is the other piece of it, that if I find myself going to a place where I'm trying to overcomplicate stuff to Mm -hmm. stop that. And to get really clear on like, what is the one thing? What is the simplest form? What is good enough? What is the simplest solution that I can implement right now? So yes, it's kind of two ends of the same thing. I'm qualified to be here. And I also don't need to overcomplicate it. In fact, that's what usually trips me up. And that's often what trips other people up. Yeah. That overcomplication. So that's so true. I do that often because I'm like, Ooh, I want this to be like the best thing ever, you know, and about the master's degree and having like actual experience versus education. I almost would say that the experience is the more important thing because like when you're learning, like, that's great that you have that knowledge in your head, but actually applying it and seeing it in practice. That's one of the things that I've known about or have found out about getting my master's degree is like, okay, I have all this knowledge, but running my business is also just equally as helpful because I'm having to learn all of this stuff in the thick of it every single day. And some of the stuff that I'm learning in my master's is not even applicable to my small business. <laughs> like, yes, it's hard. That's, so. It's so hard. And that's actually come up quite a bit just in talking with different people. And, you know, I think about just the formal education process. I imagine that some of the things that you're learning are like, that actually is a little outdated versus when you're in your business of doing the real thing, like you're interfacing with all of those dynamic changes that are happening mm-hmm. in social media and in the way people talk about their marketing and the content that's resonating. And, oh my gosh, there's another algorithm update. Like, what do we need to yeah. do in order to come around that? <laughs> there's that place of like, these are tried and true foundational things, but then this is also like what's really working here. So yeah. I think that blend of the two is where it can be the most powerful. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good stuff. 
Yeah, I think as long as you're, you, I mean, I know you and you love to read. So having that learning mentality and the growth mindset is just huge because you can read and learn new things all the time and be able to support your clients in that way as well. So I wanted to debunk the myths of leadership because I feel like Mm -hmm. there's a lot out there and a lot of just misconceptions about leadership coaching in general. So I want to kick things off with the biggest, what is the biggest misconception that you hear about the leadership industry? Ugh. (laughs) that leaders are born not made Mm, you took a quite another question (laughs) (laughs) that is probably the biggest myth that I have to come around and kind of funny story is I've got three kids and my daughter my middle daughter is in middle school right now and she's learning about different career paths and like trying to find like what are the skill sets that you have and this is just a reminder of like, oh yes, we've all been conditioned this way. So she was prompted to take a couple different assessments. All of her classmates were to figure out like, what kind of job would you be good at? And granted she's 13. So of course, none of this is like concrete, but it was very clear that there's like this set system of like these jobs, like you're good as like teacher type roles or artistic type roles or engineering type roles or mathematic roles. And one of the, like the distinct roles was leader. And it was based off of like what they're interested in and what they're good at. And when she came home, she shared with me some of her different results, but she was frustrated that she didn't get that leader role because to her, obviously her mom does this stuff. So she's like, oh, I really want to do that. And she views herself as someone that has that potential. And just in doing that, like, oh, if I'm good as a teacher, that means I'm not made to be a leader. If I'm good as an artist, I'm not made to be a leader. And what people don't understand is that leadership and becoming a leader is just acquiring a set of skills. Mm -hmm. It is not something that you are born with or not born with. It is literally the accumulation of skills. Now, some people, depending on their environment, acquire those skills earlier on than others, but that doesn't mean that you're not capable. So I think about, I equate this to like, athletics, when you're watching professional athletes, you don't know which one there started out playing basketball when they were four years old and just picked it up naturally versus who put in the reps and had to earn every little bit of athleticism in order to be on that court. We just see the demonstration of skills like, wow, they're amazing athletes. The same is true for leaders. When we see amazing leaders, we unfortunately assume, oh, they were just like They're just naturally a great leader. Well, maybe, but maybe they put in the work to get the reps and to become a fantastic leader. And in doing that, it helps us remove that barrier to say, I'm not capable. I don't have that potential. You do. You just need to acquire the skills. It's just like any other skill. Like marketing is a skill. Copywriting is a skill. Sales are a skill. I think that's a great conversation and thing to bring up because I've been told for my life, like as long as I can remember, oh, you're such a natural born leader or whatever they have to say about it. But a lot of it comes down to my personality and the way that I was raised. And I grew up in a relatively privileged like middle class household 
And they put me in environments that allowed me to develop the skills and do these different things and lead myself as when I was younger. And I think about it because there are people that grow up in much less privileged environments than I and have gone on to be incredible leaders that are way past my current level. And it's impressive and it's cool to see. And I think that that is just like such a horrible thing to tell people like, oh, you're just a natural born leader because like they have probably put in the work one way or another throughout their lives. Hey there, CEO. As a token of our appreciation for being a loyal listener, we've got a special gift just for you. Here's the deal. Drop us a review by September 12th, screenshot your review, and slide it into our DMs at Confessions of a CEO. And what's in it for you? A chance to snag a one-on-one business strategy session with me. Let's tackle that business challenge and pave your way to more profits. Or a CEO swag box delivered right to your door, packed with our top pick essentials. It's a quick gesture that can land you an amazing reward. Plus, you would totally make my day. All right, enough from me. Let's dive back into this episode. It's kind of like that, oh, you're so lucky. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Well, and I want to come back to this too, because I imagine that some of those innate qualities about you, you were like, maybe the first to volunteer or in your friend group, it's like you making the decisions, Hey, let's go do this. And so people mm-hmm. follow along. What I think a lot of people fail to fail to see is that's just one personality style showing itself in leadership. Mm-hmm. But when we think about in our own personal life, the leaders that we've been exposed to the ones that are fantastic, like I would follow that person anywhere. They were a great boss. They were a great coach whatever leadership capacity we experienced them in, there were things about them that maybe they were the type that's like, hey, I'm making this decision and come along with me. But oftentimes there's other qualities, like they were incredibly supportive. They really listened to me or they brought the team together and made sure that we were really collaborative. And then we see the opposite when we think about the worst leaders that we've ever had. They were just put in positions of leader as a position of authority in a job or something, someone that we had to follow, whether a coach or a boss or even a teacher. They were in this position of authority, but they were so ill-equipped to be there and probably did so much damage to those individuals and embodied even some of those same qualities. You know, I think about someone who is a take charge type. Well, if they're not skilled in leadership, they come across as super bossy, they steamroll over people, they're really micromanaging, and they take away the power from the people that they're in charge of. And then on the other end of the spectrum, if somebody is like a really supportive, encouraging, collaborative leader, well, if they're not skilled up in leadership, they get walked all over. People don't trust them because they're not going to like stand up for what is right or what they should be doing. So mm-hmm. even within those different personality types, really what separates an effective leader from an ineffective leader is their skills in leadership, regardless of their personality. Yeah. 
And that was really cool when, so Lisa recently spoke at the Boise Breakfast Club and she brought out the disc assessment and it was really cool when you put the male and then the female leaders up on the screen and we chatted about, okay, like what are the qualities and the characteristics and why do you view this person as a leader? And the differences between the men and the women was like very vast, you know, like there was a lot of difference, but the one thing remained the same is that we all viewed them as great, fantastic leaders because they're unique and they provide value in their own individual way. And I think that that is so awesome. Yeah. And the key is really understanding, you know, not to necessarily fight against what your natural tendency is, because I'm similar in a group of people, they're going to ask for a volunteer. I'm probably going to be one of the first, (laughs) but if I'm thinking about myself, if I'm in a group of people that I'm leading and understanding the impact of me as a leader, and we're asking for volunteers to get ideas, I'm intentionally going to be last One, because when you understand your role as a leader, anything you say is going to influence the group, but then it also invites you to take a step back. And that's what good leaders do is they recognize the people that are around them and they meet them where they're at and bring out the best of them to invite others who would maybe be less inclined to volunteer first and to draw out their perspective. When we think about putting together teams, whether you're building a business or you're just thinking about people to collaborate with. There's a lot of discussion around like, oh, do I have the right people in the right seats on the bus and all of that stuff. And I, I love this quote. I actually got it from Craig Weber, who's an author. He wrote Conversational Capacity and he's, he's amazing, the work that he's doing. But what he said was that, yeah, it's great that you have the right people and you have them in the right seat on the bus. But if you can't access their smarts, then what, how effective is that? So part of our role in this leadership capacity in any context that we find ourselves is being mindful of what are my superpowers, but also where are my limitations and how is that getting in the way of getting access to the amazing potential and talent of the people around me so that I do hear from them so that they don't feel intimidated or they feel free to share and be their full self in this capacity so that we can make incredible progress forward. So that's the other aspect of developing your leadership skills, not just to know your superpower, but really to acknowledge where your limitations lie. And then how do you balance that? Yeah, the self-awareness piece is huge. And it's one of the things that's probably the hardest because you don't want to see your weaknesses and you don't want to know (laughs) the things that you or acknowledge the things that you suck at because that can be a hit to your ego, but it's huge in developing your leadership skills. So I want to talk about leadership coaching a little bit because I feel like as business owners and female founders, CEOs, that is not the first thing that we typically seek out. Like you were talking about, we look to marketing or business coaching or whatever we look to. It's usually not leadership, but as I've grown my business, I'm like, oh, that should have absolutely been the first thing that I sought out in figuring out how to grow this big beast of a business. So what do you help your clients with? Oh, this is so good. Yes. First, I think there's some misconceptions about leadership coaching compared to business coaching. And I want to first just focus on this word coaching, 
So what often gets labeled as coaching is actually consulting. So I like to think about like, if you've ever played a sport of any type and you think about the way that your coach came around you and was really focused on your continual progression and skill development, that is coaching and not saying, okay, you know, if like the ultimate goal is like, I want you to be able to, and I keep using basketball, even though I never played basketball, <laughs> but it, like, I want you to be able to hit a three point basket every time. Well, when you're brand new to learning basketball, that's not the actual, like, maybe that's a goal three years from now, but that's not the goal right now versus a consultant would say, okay, once you learn how to make three pointers consistently, reach back out. And so there's this difference between coaching and consulting and consulting mm -hmm. is really telling people what to do so that they can fix their problems. And then once that problem is fixed, let's move on to the next one where mm -hmm. coaching is like in the weeds of like, what is the problem? What challenges are popping up? What skill gaps exist? Why is your confidence waning? You're avoiding this conflict. Let's talk about how that's showing up for you. So they're in the weeds with you. And I think that's really the difference between consulting and coaching. And I very much pride myself on being a really, really good coach. Part of my superpower as a D in my DISC profile is results. So people are struggling to get the results that they want. And so I can help move them that direction. Mm -hmm. They're also kind of wallowing in like, I've got so many options. I don't know what to take. So I help them get clarity on what is the right action to take. And then in doing so, we come across some challenges and I ask questions in a challenging way because it's not about just treating the symptom, just like with my wellness coaching, we're going to the root cause. And to me, that's the difference between pivoting now to leadership coaching versus business coaching is business coaching is like, oh, you need to, you know, maybe think about how you're connecting with your clients or building a growth strategy or an ascension model in your business. It's the tools and the equipment and the machine of your business. Mm -hmm. And leadership coaching is saying, hey, that's great. But now let's talk about you. Do you understand the mechanics of this business? And where are your own thinking? Where is your own thinking getting in the way of you actually seeing this problem and working through it more effectively? Mm -hmm. So I come back to wellness because it's my OG that I'm familiar with. It's like going to the doctor and saying like, gosh, I have this headache. Okay, here's some Advil. Not that you go to the doctor for Advil, but here's some Advil to get rid of the <laughs> headache. And then like, let's have a deeper conversation around, oh, it looks like you also have symptoms of dehydration and maybe you have an electrolyte imbalance. Like, let's talk about all of these other things. So my job is not to give you the Advil. That's what a business coach might do. My job is to go deeper. Like, let's do some exploration and figure out like what's causing you to have headaches every day. Mm -hmm. That's a great explanation. <laughs> I think that's really important because going back to teaching you to fish versus feeding you for giving you fish and feeding you for a day, like you don't always want to have to rely on people it's beneficial when they give you the tools that you need in order to solve the problem by yourself and kind of coming into it with like self-discovery, essentially, with the support mm -hmm. of somebody leading you through that. Yes, totally. I think about those, the different ways that you might solve problems. 
you know, if you're looking for someone to just provide the solution for you, that's great. It solves that immediate problem. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about like how you can stay curious when you encounter problems and what does that actually look like? That's the thing about this is people think, oh, curiosity, like that's just this fluffy thing that I don't really know what behaviors go along with it. Well, in leadership, we actually have measurable, trackable, observable behaviors of this is what curiosity looks like. This is what agility looks like. This is what candor looks like. This is what vulnerability looks like. You know, I know that's a big buzzword right now, but thinking about like, how does this actually show up in my business as a business practice? Because the reality is we know this, no one's going to be surprised when I say this, like, you know, like when it's just you and yourself in the <laughs> quiet, you know, of the night and your brain swirling, you know, some of the very real challenges that you're experiencing in your business and probably how they're like cascading over into your life as well. And leadership coaching helps you come around those versus like, I need a better way to reach clients on social media. No, mm -hmm. you need to develop some confidence in yourself as an expertise. And you need to have some clarity around how to speak about your service or product or whatever it is that you're delivering from a place of confidence and clarity so that your people want to buy it. Mm -hmm. That is like a mic drop moment. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so what do you feel like is different about how you coach women versus most others in the industry? You know, I'll be honest, I am hard pressed to find leadership coaches that actually do what I do. And maybe I'm just coming from a corporate environment where I've, I've really tried to do my due diligence to see like what other leadership coaches are doing. And honestly, it's a lot, it's a lot of consulting. Like what does your org structure look like? What roles do you need to hire for? Some of those things like CEO business practices is really what leadership coaching is often marketed as. And mine, again, is like helping you evolve into the human that you have the potential to be so that you can run your business to be the most wildly successful thing you can even imagine. And at the same time, because this is such an important thing for me, how are you still holding boundaries for yourself as a human how are you maintaining those priorities that you say are really important to you in the way that you spend your time and your money and your energy investments? How are you holding boundaries for those things while you're also building your business? So I've really taken what I know to be best practices around like wellness coaching and it happens in the day to day, you know, like when we think about behavior change, it's not like, okay, three months from now, I'm going to lose 12 pounds. Okay. Awesome. What are you doing right now to get you closer to that goal? And unfortunately, I think when it comes to business practices and business coaching, that's what it looks like. Okay, three months from now, you'll be here. But let's talk about the everyday behaviors, the everyday practices, the everyday thinking that are going to get you to that goal and hold you accountable to that. Because behavior change is just these tiny, tiny, tiny little dial moves that three months from now, you can see, oh, wow, look at all of this progress we made. Mm -hmm. But without those tiny little dial moves, you won't actually get there. So that's how I've designed this is really with this undercurrent of behavior change focused on these leadership behaviors, these resiliency behaviors, 
so that three months from now you can look back and be like, damn, mm-hmm. this is amazing. I'm in a much better place. I yeah. think of myself differently. I communicate differently. I relate differently, not just in my business, but in my life, because again, we're not isolated individuals. So if you're able to talk with candor and clarity and maintain curiosity in your business, how does that translate to you as a parent or a partner or a friend? So yeah, I could riff on that forever because I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think when I met you, when we first chatted and you were telling me, you know, about everything that you do for your clients it stood out to me right away because I've invested in a lot of coaches and it is true that the coaches in the online industry are mislabeling them for, it's just a, the wild, wild west. I feel like the online space, <laughs> the wild, wild west. And so people will slap some title or some name on them when they don't have the credentials or they don't know fully like what they're even calling themselves because what I have purchased or invested in the past is absolutely like a consultant that supports me and my business versus a coach who is helping me develop my skill set. And so I think that that's just a really valuable thing for people who are wanting to actually personally grow for themselves. And that's something that you help them with. So I love that about what you're doing to give some people that are listening tangible things or something that they can start doing right now. Like what are some tools that you may suggest or for people to try out in order to overcome some of like the main leadership challenges that you see women in entrepreneurship facing? Mm, I think there's a couple of ways that we could go around this one, you know, there's you and I talked about disc and I think, Mm -hmm. you know, right now it's super popular, especially in the online space, knowing your Enneagram and even like human design, those are really popular, but disc has been in the professional world for decades because it's actually research-based it's evidence-based is backed by science in terms of like, there's no gender disparity or like race or nationality disparity. Like these are pretty true across cultures, across age ranges, across genders. So that's really helpful to know that it is a vetted tool. So there's so many free online DISC assessments that you can do. And I think that might be a really great place to start just to understand yourself. Because when we talk about this pyramid of growth and development, that self-awareness piece is essential. You have to know yourself before you can lead yourself. And even thinking about emotional intelligence, like self-awareness is required before you can do any sort of self-management. So knowing yourself first, because those DISC profiles, those DISC assessments can reveal a little bit around what are your superpowers? What do you bring to the table? And then what are some things that you find stressful And how do you kind of manage between the two of those? Because we might have too much that's stressful in our life that's creeping us towards burnout. So that'll reveal opportunities there. The other thing that I think is important is, especially with women, is we get this discrepancy between like, we see all or nothing mindset around lots of things. And we also apply this to our business practices. So if this doesn't resonate with you, you're like, no, I don't really want to go through that. Then doing a values assessment or a values activity where you 
get really clear. You know, I know Brene Brown does this. There are a couple other people that have a values activity where you might have a list of like 50 to 100 different values. And you go through and you cross out all the things that don't feel right for you. And you end up with like three to maybe five at the most. And this is something that I do with my clients. It's one of the first things that we do. Three to five values that you have targeted, like these are the most important things for me as a human. So for me, one of mine, and I actually have written on my board, one is self-actualization, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One is vitality in relation to like wellness. And then the third is freedom. And so when you come to figure out those values, three to five of them, then you can do a time audit of your calendar. And I don't know if anybody follows Ramit Sethi. He's a financial advisor. Oh, mm -hmm. not an advisor, but financial expert. But I love him because he's like, hey, if you think about this as if I was an anthropologist and I was to look at the way that you invest your time and energy and money, would I see evidence of those values? And if the answer is no, then automatically, you know that you're creating a high level of stress in your life because what you say is important is not actually showing up in your life. And so then the question is, how can I maybe blend that a little bit more? Have time. If you value freedom, where is that in your time and money and energy? If you value vitality, how are you prioritizing that? And as female business owners, like ultimately, like we're in charge here. So like take charge, <laughs> yeah. figure out how you're going to do that. So one of those two things I think would be really helpful or both of them. And yeah. both are included in how I do my coaching program. So Heck yeah. yeah, we spend a lot of time figuring that stuff out. So we're, we're feeling very integrated in the way that we're approaching business. That is very important because like we have talked about your work leads into your personal life regardless of if you try not to have it, <laughs> just happen. So I love that. I haven't heard about the values assessment. I've done it for my business, but I've never really sat down and done that for my personal self. So that's a good tip. You know, that's really interesting that you say that because there's some new research coming out that says it's one thing to have like business values, mm-hmm. but what those are, are your personal values. And if Mm. the values that you have in your business are in direct conflict with your personal values, then you're going to struggle and likely to experience some serious burnout. There's a guy, Stan Slap. He was a keynote speaker at an event that I was at a few months ago. And he talked about that very thing. Like, no, we have one set of values and we Mm. either are able to take that to work with us or we're not. And if we're not able to take that to work with us, then we're at risk of burnout and not thriving in that environment. So mm. yeah, you might just check your business values to see, are these- That values? would be interesting. No, personal values as well. Yeah. Yeah, I will. We developed them as a team, but I felt like they were pretty good. I'll have to go back to them. <laughs> Look, one of them was fun. And I think I'm a pretty fun person, so. Awesome. Yes. Yes. And you're building fun into your life. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. I have some rapid fire questions before we end today's episode. The first one is what is a hot take that you have on the coaching industry? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if anything I do is a hot take. This is the hard thing. Here's my hot take. If you're working with someone in any capacity as a coach, business, fitness, nutrition, anything, and they're telling you, just try harder. Or if you wanted it bad enough, you would figure it out. 
you need to fire them. That is horrible coaching. Horrible coaching. Yeah. <laughs> Just try harder. <laughs> Just try harder. You're not doing enough. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a good one. What are, if you think that there are non-negotiable qualities of a leader? Mm. Number one, self-awareness. Number two, curiosity, which falls into number three, which is a growth mindset. Mm. Okay. Those are good. I think I would say I would add integrity. Mm. But I don't know if that goes across the board for like every single leader has to have that. Yeah, I would think that integrity would come with self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I love it. Okay. What are some things that you're working on that people can expect to see from you in the coming year? Oh, way to team me up here. (laughs) This is great. This is great. Well, I just wrapped my talk at the Boise Breakfast Club, which was awesome. And I got so much great feedback. So for people that weren't able to attend, I'm actually repurposing that same training into a freebie so that people can listen They can learn from it because I think coming back to what we were talking about, it's a really quick deep dive into figuring out maybe what your disc style is and then how to leverage that to become the leader of your business. So I'll have that coming. And then because I love books, I love learning. I have this like commitment to being a lifelong (laughs) learner. I am launching a book club. We'll probably start, it'll launch next month in April, but it will, we'll have our first meetup in May. And we're just, it's the badass book club because oh my gosh, I love it. it's going to be freaking badass. Yes. <laughs> so um, I'm really yeah. excited of that. Yes. It's just going to be a community of people that are committed to self-development. It's one of those things. Like if you, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. So we can just do this together and take away some amazing learning. So that will be coming. And then after that, I'm not that far in the future. <laughs> so no, it might be coming in the next year. Obviously my one-on-one coaching applications are open. So if anybody is interested in learning more about what I offer in terms of coaching and they feel like, oh, I'm ready for this, that I know this is what I need. Mm-hmm. I've got some openings there. And then thinking about, because I love teaching, how I might provide more more education, like mm-hmm. seminars, master classes, webinars, things like that. So that'll more to come on that. Yay. That is so exciting. I know that I will become one of your clients. Um, <laughs> <laughs> eventually I am just so thankful for you coming on, sharing your knowledge. I'll include all of your links, where to find you on Instagram in the show notes, of course. Any final last remarks that you have to share? You know, I was was reading Liz Gilbert. Those of you that are familiar with her work, she's an author. Um, She wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which she's most famous for, but she also wrote Big Magic. And she's talking about life transformations. And I feel like I've gone through a few different iterations, you know, when I got in lost myself to motherhood and like went all in on fitness and nutrition. And now this new iteration. And she said, you know, I've never seen, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but she says, I've never seen any life transformation that didn't happen with a person in question, getting tired of their own bullshit. And I think that's like my life mantra is like, what bullshit am I holding on to that actually is keeping me from making the progress that I want to want to see the 
depth of relationship that I want to have with my husband or the connection that I want to have with my kids or the growth that I want to see in my business. So I'm all for like, let's let's get rid of the bullshit. So yeah, yeah. let's unpack this shit and put it out <laughs> on somebody else's front lawn. <laughs> yes, go. It is out of here. So yeah, I imagine that a lot of people that listen to your show and that follow you are in that same camp. Like, yeah, I'm done with this bullshit. So I'm done with it. Yeah. Handing it off, throwing out the window. Yeah, I love that. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for joining. I cannot wait to share this episode and impart your wisdom on all of the listeners. <laughs> thank you, Kelsey. This has been so fun. I always enjoy chatting with you. I feel like we're kindred spirits. So yeah. <laughs> um, I just I have so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Today's confession session is over, but the conversation doesn't have to stop here. I'd love to hear from you. If you had a chuckle or a moment of clarity, show us some love by sharing this episode on your Instagram stories and tag us at Confessions of a CEO. There's nothing that I love more than getting to connect with you. Ready for more? New episodes drop every Tuesday. In the meantime, come say hi on Instagram. I'll catch you next week for more Confessions of a CEO.